Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of the Crossword Podcast. Today, here with me, my brother, Ron Knapmiller. How are you doing today, brother Knapmiller? Uh, it's a good day, Sam. Thanks. It's it's pretty hot weather, right? So It is. We're, we're all just managing here. <laughs> um. So right away we'll go we'll go into these baseline questions um, and again they're just the same as every single episode. So what motivates and inspires you? Why do you get up in the morning? Well, over the years that that reason's probably changed a little bit. When you have a job, you have to get up. But <clears throat> I've I've always enjoyed mornings. I grew up on a farm, so mornings were important. Um, chores had to be done and. But as I matured and learned about life in general, um, mornings, I really like mornings, especially in the summer. The birds are singing. It's cool outside in the summertime. Um, I, I've just always liked getting up. And now that I'm retired, I wake up about six o'clock every morning without an alarm. So I guess it's ingrained. Wow. So six o'clock, even through retirement, that's, that's, that's an effort. Um, I think we've had a few people in these episodes now that are morning people. And that's something I strive for. Uh, but I have yet to build that like internal clock. So I'm, I'm just hoping fingers crossed that in the future, I'll just be able to have that ability. <laughs> uh, genealogy is important in the church. What do you know about your name and family history? Well, <clears throat> um, I think my family's interesting. Um, the Nat Miller family goes back to Germany. And Nat Miller, I guess, means a, a place on a hill or a farm on a hill. And the original Nat Miller farm in, in Oschberg, uh, Germany, still exists. And I have distant relatives that, that operate it as a horse farm now. Um, my great-grandfather Bernard and his brother Melchior came to the United States in 1878, 1879, something like that. And they, they came to Iwani on Lake Michigan. And, and my great-grandpa Bernard settled there. Um, he was a farmer and Melchior went down by the Milwaukee area and he was a carpenter. And I understand that he built a lot of round barns in that part of the state. Um, and so my grandfather <clears throat> um, moved to the Birchwood area and, and was established there. And his, one of his brothers uh, came with him, uh, my great uncle Ben, and he had a, a an accident in the woods and hurt his leg bad. So he couldn't, he couldn't lumberjack anymore. So he went back to the Kiwani area. And if I remember right, there were eight, eight or nine kids in that family. Um, and my, my grandpa's siblings. And um, so, yeah, my, my lineage then, my grandfather bought, bought the farm in Birchwood and, 1905, 1906, and was in our family um, 
with the exception of a couple of years in the 50s, my my uh, grandma sold it and then my dad bought it back. So it was in the family over 100 years. Wow, very, very interesting. So there are some there are some roots in uh, like in farming and you mentioned like carpentry, too, which is some of your some of your stuff that you're interested in, too, or that has been tracked. Yep. Like. So yeah. it's pretty cool stuff uh, in so, your life. Oh. On, on my, I'm sorry, on my, on my mom's side, my grandpa Sorensen owned a tavern in Racine, and in the summer he would go with his friends to Birchwood to a resort. And in 1921, or in, in 1920, he came back from his trip and he told my grandma, we bought a resort, we take over next May. <laughs> So my mom was five months old when they left Racine in, in May of 1921. And um, they drove in a Model T. And at that time, they had to go like to Wisconsin Rapids and then cut across the state. And when they got to the resort, the really the roads were probably like logging roads, but my grandpa put the car up on blocks and their transportation was back to Birchwood by boat. And he was a guide and, <clears throat> you know, they had people come and stay at the resort and they, they owned the resort until 1944, 1945. Um, my uncle Harry was in World War II and, and was shot down and they were uncertain of his status. And, and I guess that was an impetus for them to, to sell the resort at that point. But my, my uncle was captured and, and it was near the end of the war. And, and um, so he was in a, in a prison camp for about three months. <clears throat> wow. So let's hope if you're having some, some treks through family history, let's hope you have the chance of the luxurious life of living and owning a, a resort somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in your life, how have you confirmed the teachings and doctrine of the church? Well, <clears throat> a, a, a number of things have reconfirmed my testimony. Um, initially, when Carol and I were baptized before we were married, um, <clears throat> we received a witness of the Savior. <clears throat> and, and that was a foundation for me. Um, it it's carried me, <clears throat> but over the years, um, a few things have happened. Um, we had the privilege of going to one of the CES conferences and educational conferences in Salt Lake um, with the Peaks, and one of the things that we did was go to the visitor center and and we watched the movie The Testament. And I, I received um, quite a witness there, and um, it, it, I was sobbing. It was um, pretty incredible. Um, when President Rose was um, called as a stake president, um, we were in in. Rochester for the meeting where he was sustained. And when his name was presented, 
and sustain the Holy Ghost um, bore witness to me that he was to be the, the stake president. Um, one Christmas, um, our Christmas program at church, um, the opening song was Away in a Manger and the the spirit bore witness to me of the savior. I, I couldn't even sing. Um, and then we closed with silent night and the same thing. So those were those were very personal and and sacred witnesses that have helped um, confirm my testimony. Um, I also had the privilege to go to the Sacred Grove with the Scouts and had a marvelous experience there, um, another witness. And then through the years, uh, by paying tithing and, and fast offering, um, we've been sustained um, through some difficult times and by having food storage and, and, and paying, paying our offerings, um, we've never been without. So yeah, I, we feel really blessed. Yeah, definitely. So lots of, lots of personal experiences that are built upon. Um, absolutely. Thank you for sharing. I like that segment um, about the sacred growth. Uh, we, we made a, do, a detour and a trip when we were out in, the, the New York area and it's a wonderful wonderful place so anyone who hasn't gone uh highly like 100% suggest it because it is so beautiful and there's this you know the sacred grove it it matches up to its name it's very like peaceful and and just a wonderful place so thank you yeah. uh, what what is unique about you that's a really tough question I don't know what that means so if I, but... Oh yeah, I had to throw that in there. Um, oh, other than that, I don't know. Um, I I I guess I I feel like um, I'm a pretty normal person, and um, I like to water ski. So I I have my own or had my own slalom ski, and I gave it to my nephew, and I told him I you can. You can have this ski, but you've got to you've got to pull me at least one more time. So I'm hoping this summer um, I can go go skiing. Um, I I my first slalom ski whistled when you would when you would cut on calm water it would whistle it it was pretty awesome. Um, I never owned a speedboat, but I learned how to ski with friends and neighbors and. Um, really enjoyed it. And if I had probably been born in Florida, I might have been a competition skier because I liked it a lot. I don't know I was that good, but I like it. Uh, very cool. I was hoping sometime throughout this episode that we'd get uh, some some impressions going. So <laughs> <laughs> I uh, the variety show, I loved your segment so much. Uh, your <laughs> I had the pleasure of being able to go through and like look at editing stuff. So I... I was able to see like a, a pre-show before the, the yeah. so 
I guess one other one other thing um, that might be unique is I was I was um, fortunate to to play an alumni basketball game against the Green Bay Packers. You're joking. That's so, that's pretty big. Wow. So definitely Sterling Sharp, um, Leroy Butler, Larry McCarron. Um, that that time frame. It was pretty fun. Wow. So I can't really compare, but I will say my dad met Leroy Butler in a grocery store. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So from here, we do our rapid fire segment. Uh, So do you have a favorite genre of music? Well, I I enjoy a number of different types. I I guess I would have to say um, 60s and 70s are probably my favorite because that's, you know, when I came of age and um, I, now I, I like classic country. Um, I listen to WWIS a lot. Um, I do enjoy um, some modern country. It's been a while since I've listened to modern country because they went, to me, it went south for a long time, but, um, and so, yeah. I enjoy the choir. Um, so, I, I've you know I've got a I've I've got a repertoire of different types, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I think there is an important distinction between like classic country, so like sixties, seventies, like you said, and then modern country. So I one hundred percent agree with you that modern country it has gone south. Um, But I recently, I mean, I'm talking within like the past two, three years, so sort of recently, uh, came to the understanding of that separation. Uh, So if there are any people who don't like country, you need to try, you need to try the multiple different types because there's, there's some separation there. Uh, Merle Hager, Merle Hager's probably my favorite. Um, I listen to his greatest hits at work a lot. Um, That album, because it, it was just good, but um, Johnny Cash, you know, the Highwaymen, uh, like Toby Keith, Alan Jackson and George Strait are, you know, and Garth Brooks are a little more on the on the modern side. And, you know, I like Luke Combs. He's, you know, he's current and um, he's very good. I, I like him. And so, yeah, and I, I like Elton John and Foreigner and I even listen to the Bee Gees and Neil Diamond, so... Yeah. Uh, if you could serve a, a mission anywhere in the world, where would it be? Um, I would have to say uh, Palmyra. <clears throat> Palmyra. So that's over in New York, right? Yes. Yeah, yep. absolutely. I think that'd be very fun. Uh, do you have a favorite hymn? Yes. I, I really like um, Redeemer of Israel as sung by the BYU men's choir. And my favorite Christmas hymn is O Holy Night. Excellent choices. Uh, If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Uh, The same as what the three Nephites have. Yeah, to to live forever. I think that'd be pretty fun. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a that's an interesting choice, but but good. Yeah. Well, you know, you think about it. 
they can go anywhere and do anything and help anybody and be anonymous. Yeah, absolutely. So you're looking at it from a, a service perspective, which is, yeah. I, I think that's, that's maybe a bit better than looking at like general living forever, but yeah, absolutely. So um, on, a, on a more realistic side or hero side, um, I guess um, I would say our sons. Sorry, what was that you cut out? Our boys. Our boys are my heroes. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes sometimes it feels like that with a with a father. Sometimes he looks down at me. So I don't know. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite beverage? Um yeah, I, I enjoy lemonade. Lemonade. Do you have like a, is there different like flavors? So like strawberry or raspberry or is it just like uh, lemonade? Raspberry is probably my favorite. <laughs> uh, if you had to buy a food in large amounts of bulk, what would you buy? Um, Racine Kringle. What I I don't know if I'm familiar. Could you talk about that? Um, I'm sure you've seen it. It's a it's it's a ring of pastry, and it comes in a number of different flavors. So, um, Racine Kringle's been around a long time, and they the only time you could get it back in the day was going to Racine. And my brother lived down there, so when he would come home, like for deer season other visits, he'd bring Racine Kringle and it was the greatest treat in the world. Um, it comes in, you know, raspberry, cheesecake, pecan, just different flavors. And you can get them at festival now. Wow. I, my mouth is already watering having you describe that. So <laughs> I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. Uh, do you have a favorite movie or TV show? Um, <clears throat> I guess Gunsmoke is probably my favorite TV show now. Um, I I watch those old westerns. Um, Have Gun Will Travel, Rawhide. Um, I like them all. Um, I don't I don't watch too many too much TV modern you know the sitcoms and stuff because it's all if there's one show that I watch it's um young Leonard if I'm if I'm in the house but I I'm usually not in this time of year especially I'm not around so but westerns westerns are pretty great um I think every once in a while I'm not like an avid western fan but every once in a while I'll pop one on and I I think they're excellent uh wonderful directing so absolutely the, the thing about those those westerns um Bonanza Gunsmoke all those I mentioned, they they have a moral, and and they're clean. Um, they they treat women generally pretty good. Um, there's yeah, people get shot, but it's not it's not graphic. Um, the bad guys lose all the time, um, but there's always there's always an excellent moral with those programs and. They're, I, I just enjoy them. 
Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine if there's if there's a moral behind that, that must be pretty enjoyable. Like it's it's like a catch and it's like fun, but there's there's a lesson. So <laughs> definitely. Um if you had to paint your house one bright exotic color, what would you paint it? Well, you know, I thought about that when I heard those quest that question asked others and I, I guess it would have to be green and gold. Um, I, I grew up in the Packers' heyday, and so if I had to choose something, that's probably what it would be. I think I would absolutely change uh, my house color to the exact same thing. Um, really show off your Packer pride. Um, we went down to Green Bay, and it was for one of those family nights, so cheaper tickets and everything. Uh, but someone painted that are like fencing that. So yeah. they, I don't know if they were willing to go full in committal, but definitely 100% pretty cool. Excellent choice. Uh, what is your dream job? Um, I, I guess I would say probably a veterinarian. Having having been on the farm and then, you know, I just enjoy, I enjoy animals and I think that'd be kind of cool to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to have that close work experience. So excellent, excellent choice. Uh, if you could master any type of instrument, what instrument would it be? Piano. Do you have any like specific pieces you'd want to play on piano? Mm. I don't, I don't know that I have anything that I know anything. I, I kicked myself because um, I grew up in a house with a piano and my mom, you know, kind of encouraged me to learn. She, she didn't get real pushy with it, but I, I, I guess I grew up in a day where, you know, playing a piano was for a girl. So, you know, when you're in grade school, middle school, um, there's, you know, there's pressure. <laughs> so I didn't, I played a baritone. I, I chose a baritone, but um, I wish I would have learned how to play the piano. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's some things. Uh, and at this age, I feel like if I just would have complied uh, when I was like six and my mom was like, go take piano lessons that I wouldn't like influence, then I would have just known how to play piano. Uh, and that would have been easier than having to put the work in now. So <laughs> Uh, but then you mentioned baritone too, so that's that's pretty yep. cool. Uh, I've tried out baritone. Um, I'm a trumpet player, so it's sort of in that same yeah. brass area. But very very fun. Uh, do you have yeah, a favorite? Do you have a favorite book? Um. Well, outside of the Book of Mormon, you know, it's just something about the Book of Mormon. I don't, you know, we read together. Um, right now reading Doctrine and Covenants, but whenever I pick up the Book of Mormon, um, it, it just draws you in. Um, I've read some um, World War II books. Um, my son Chad had, had a number of books in his footlocker when he got down in the military, and I, I read a, a book about uh, the Bataan Death March. Um, there there's a book up at our cabin about uh, World War II and describing how Germany um, fought the war and what happened and all of that and how they went when they went to Russia and what happened. And 
I, I kind of like that kind of history stuff. Um, so it's been a while since I've I've really read read a book, so I, I can't tell you any titles. <clears throat> yeah, I think um, if you are a fan of like historical stuff, uh, I mean, it takes a bit of extra work, but the Book of Mormon really is just like a historical testament uh, that is viewed in a religious aspect. So, I mean, absolutely. I think uh, sometimes within like, there's a lot of like political stuff and being able to analyze uh, personally as a person who enjoys history. I, I think it's pretty cool. So yeah. some good choices. Do you have a favorite church authority? Um, I'd have to say Elder Holland. Uh, do you have a favorite talk that he has? He, um, well, if I can remember the, the name of it. Um, I was trying to think of it the other day. He gave a talk at one of the temple dedications and I think it was called the, um, uh, sorry, it was about the Holy Ghost. But he, he gave a talk on tithing that, that was really good um, some years back. But he, every time he speaks, it, it's just remarkable um, what he teaches us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you had to smell one scent for the rest of your life, what scent would it be? Drying hay. Drying hay. If you could like, in like three words, if you could sum up what drying hay smells like, what what would you choose to describe that? Um, I guess I would say like a sweet aroma. I, I've lost my sense of smell because of sinus surgery some years ago. And so I can't smell anything. And that's one, one scent that I really miss. Um, growing up on the farm, you know, summertime and this is haying season. And it just, uh, it just, it just, just does something to me. I've, it's a great memory. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, if you could live in one decade forever, what decade would it be? Well, based upon what my <clears throat> uncles and my grandpa Sorensen did, um, I've, I've always made the comment, I think I was born 25 years too late. Or I should have been born 25 years earlier. Maybe that sounds a little better. So, like, Maybe like 1945 to 1955, um, something like that. The, the area around where I grew up back in that time was, you know, and the natural resources were, were really uh, prevalent and fishing was really good. And um, there weren't a lot of people around. That's the thing. Um, it was pretty wide open territory. Yeah, absolutely. I can I can share that same thing of wishing to be uh, born 25 years before. <laughs> I, I feel like maybe I would have thrived in like the, the 60s, 70s region. So yeah, you would have. <laughs> uh, if you could. Oh, sorry. That's the wrong question. Uh, do you have a favorite number? Um, 
I don't know. I guess if I had to pick one, it'd probably be seven. No particular reason. Uh, if you could live with any animal, what animal would it be? Uh, black lab. A black lab. Um, what, what would you enjoy most about having a black lab? Well, they're great companions. We've, we've had, we've had a golden retriever. We've had, um, a chocolate lab. Um, we had a black lab for a while and our boys have, have labs now, just labs in general. They're very friendly. They're very dedicated. Um, they're just, yeah, they're, they're great. They're great friends. Yeah. Uh, our family personally wishes for a key sound. Um, and I think, well, it's specifically my dad. Um, and he'll probably like this once he hears it in the episode. Uh, but a lot of those same qualities that he mentioned off. So absolutely. Maybe he can try out a black lab. Key sounds are pretty hard to find. So maybe we can convince him to do yeah. like a switcheroo, right? <laughs> Uh, in your opinion, what is the best condiment? Uh, horseradish. What What do you like using horseradish most with? Is there like a food in particular? Well, it goes it goes with most meats. It goes really good with with pork, with pork chops, um, pork loin. But I put it on hamburgers. I put it on hot dogs. Um, I'll, I'll add, you know, I'll still put ketchup on, um, you know, I like sauerkraut too, you know, especially on my brats, but yeah. And I grow it and I make my own. You make your own horseradish? Yeah. What, can you enlighten me to the process of what that looks like? Well, <clears throat> the horseradish looks like, um, a white carrot. It's white and it's a root and you grind it in a blender with vinegar. And if your nose is too close to the lid when you open the blender, um, it's kind of like one of those ammonia plugs that they give to ball players when they get their bell rung. It'll make your eyes water. It's great, it's great stuff. Absolutely. That must be pretty convenient then if you if you can't smell a whole lot to to not yeah. have to live through that experience then. Yeah, it still gets me though. That and onions, that kind of stuff still gets me, but yeah, I hear you. <laughs> uh, if you could master the art of making one item, what item would it be? Um Well, I, I enjoy, I'm not very good at it because I don't have um, the specific tools for some stuff, but I enjoy woodworking. And so anything, you know, our, our son Luke has a, a lathe and he self-taught himself. And um, I, I guess, I guess so uh, learning how to, how to use a wood lathe and, and create items on the lake there's really cool stuff you can do yeah i'm familiar we have one from my grandfather um and my mom has gone through uh the whole like self-discovery stuff so i think just from seeing people do that and they have like they have such precision i think that'd be a pretty fun thing to work on as well uh what is your favorite book in the book of mormon 
Um, I would have to say Alma. Uh, it has uh, some very pertinent doctrine. Um, I like this the story of King Benjamin um, and you know Moroni is one of my favorite characters in Ammon. Um, so a lot a lot of stuff happens in in, in Alma. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty great stuff. And then going off of like historically, we get to see a lot of those cool events there. Uh, what makes you laugh? Um, Bob Marconi, Art Peak, and Carolyn Hamblin. I think as a ward, I think Bob Marconi makes everyone laugh. He is just such an enjoyable spirit. So I I laughed out loud. In, in in his interview with his little word puns and you know we've traveled together we did the the trip out out to Palmyra together and um in other places and and he he just keeps you in stitches all the time um the other thing that makes me laugh is is Red Skelton and um I like good jokes yeah, absolutely. Uh, in your opinion, what is the best season? Well, you know, I thought about that, and it's kind of a toss-up. Um, I I like spring and fall best. Um, if I had to choose one, I guess I would say spring be for the renewing of the earth and the returning of the birds and stuff. But um you know, both spring and fall with the migration. Um, I, you know, in the fall when I've been down on the river, I've just seen the most cool stuff uh, with with waterfowl and birds and 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 the way the migration happens. Um, but down down on the river, just down at, at our son's shop in the spring, the, all the all the waterfowl come back and the pelicans and. I could sit on the dock all day long and just watch them. They're just flying all over the place. The pelicans come in in big flocks and yeah. Yeah. So the question I got some, some like request to ask uh, is if anyone knows you, right. They know you love hunting and fishing and that's, that's something that you devote some time to. So I'm going to have you choose if you had to only go hunting or only go fishing, which one would you choose? Um, I would choose fishing. Okay. I, so can, now I, can do it, I can do it all year round. So, right. But now I'm going to have to double down. So is it summer fishing or like winter fishing with ice? Oh, ice fishing? Yeah, you're, you're killing me. <laughs> um. <laughs> is it like choosing a favorite child here? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Good analogy. Um, I I guess... I would I would choose summer fishing, but I not by much, not by much, because ice fishing is pretty great. Yeah, I think with with ice fishing, you just don't have to worry about um, with getting cold. Sometimes you know you can just sit out summer fishing, you know, uh, for for hours, and you don't have to be concerned really about that. So <laughs> it's a hard choice, though. Um, if you became famous, what would you become famous for? Huh. 
I don't know if I could become, I guess, famous, maybe as a forest manager. Forest manager. So what, can you tell us a bit about what a forest manager is? Um, forest, forest managers and consultants help um, landowners to um, make a plan for their forest, what, what they want to do with it, whether, you know, for timber harvest, for wildlife management, um, and and how to uh, best utilize the the timber that they have. Yeah, very cool. Uh, so from here, that's all we have for rapid fire questions. So now we're going to talk about you. So I was told that you worked in uh, like architecture before. Uh, before your retirement, and we'll we'll talk a tiny bit about your retirement too. Uh, so, can you tell us about what your career was and like what what you sort of did in specifics? Sure. So, I was hired by HSR Associates in 1980 as a draftsman. Um, I went to school at the Rice Lake Technical College for two years. Had an associate degree in commercial drafting. Um, I interviewed at, at HSR's Madison office initially, and they hired one of my classmates, and I was glad because I didn't want to live in Madison. Um, and then HSR called me back a couple of weeks later, and they had an opening in La Crosse, and so I came down, and um, and the rest is history. So um, starting out, I, you know, for two years, all I did was draw door and window details. Um, but when I got done with that exercise, I knew how a building, I had real good understanding of, of office standards, um, how projects went together and how buildings go together. And so it, it seems like a monotonous chore, but it, it was the right thing, at least for me. Um, and, and then, um, in 1983, they recognized that, um, CAD drafting was, was going to be the next future process. And so they asked me to, to organize that and get it set up. So I basically handled CAD management for the next 20 years or so, um, so we went to a network and then it got to be too much IT stuff and I, I wasn't interested in that. Um, so, our, you know, the process um, that we did was, you know, we, we, we sat in meetings with our clients and, um, you know, our project managers would determine the needs. Um, they'd come up with a, a design plan and when all the pertinent decisions were made, um, all that information was given to us as draftsmen, and we would draw the plans. So the floor plans, the elevations, the sections, and all the details so that the contractors could build the building. Um, in, in about 2000, um, we had some staff changes, and um, we needed a specification writer, and 
So I lost all presence of mind and volunteered. <laughs> and if you'd have asked me even two years before that, if I'd ever write specs, I probably would have told you you were crazy. But for whatever reason, um, I felt it was the right thing to do. And so for the next 20, 20 years, that's what I did. And so that process is um, looking at the drawings and putting together written information and product information um, about, about the building so that the contractors can select the right materials um, so that we protect the owner with um, quality materials. And then part of that process was the administration side with um, bidding, uh, bidding information and uh, general conditions, telling the contractor what they're responsible for and, and that sort of thing. And that sort of process. So I, I redline, I, I would go through the drawings and do a quality control. So I redline the drawings and, and just make sure that um, the job captains had everything complete. And then I would put together the specification book. I'd work with um, HVAC, electrical and plumbing and structural. Uh, sometimes those people were in-house, sometimes they were consultants. And uh, just to make sure that all the pieces came together. Yeah, so there's there's quite a few things that you did within this this career that that changed up a bit. It sounds like. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. And that you know when I look back now with I I couldn't I can still do some things in AutoCAD. You know I can always draw lines, arcs, and circles. But um, Revit is the program and. I'm I'm amazed at how um, our our staff uses that program. I don't understand. It's a different thought process, but yeah, it's come a long ways. Um, even the hand drafting side had some improvements before we went to to computer, but yeah, I saw it change significantly. Yeah. So uh, during that time, what were some of your bigger projects that you worked on? Well, um, sat down and tried to remember some. Uh, we did a Armed Forces Reserve Center down in Madison some years ago. Um, I think that was close to a $40 million project. Um, it, it's a, a building that ha holds all of the Armed Forces. Um, so they have, they have their offices and operations out of one building, I suppose it allows them to kind of communicate with one another as well. Um, I, I did the UWL stadium. Um, I did a little bit of drafting on that as well as a specification. And then the new field house that's going is a project that I, I wrote spec for. Um, we had a, a a contract for the Dairy Science Building in UW River Falls back in the 90s. And my coworker and I um, handled that project and there was a classroom building and then we 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 also drew up the, the dairy barn and and it it was a facility where they would do research on the cattle and 
some of the stuff that they did was testing bedding. I guess at that time, sand was kind of a new process for bedding. Um, there's, you know, there's hay and there's sawdust. Um, so they would analyze the, the effect of those beddings on, on the production of the cattle, apparently. And they were starting to use laser um, at that time, so they'd have a the cattle would have a tag around their neck, and when they came into the parlor, that they would read the tag with laser, and and it would tell the computer who the cow was, how much it gives, how long it should milk, and then any other additional information. So if it had, if it needed some veterinary care on the way out, the gates would control to move it to a a, a different location, so that it could be treated. Um, it had a, a manure collection system. Um, so it was a, for me, and, and my coworker is also a Northern Wisconsin um, guy and, and, and a farmer. And so for us, it was really a fun project. Unfortunately, it came in too high on the bid. And so they didn't do anything with it. And I guess later on, they went back and, and addressed it and, and did do it, but they didn't, they didn't hire us back. Um, we, we did the Southside Elementary. In fact, I've done work on every school building in the La Crosse School District. We were the campus architects for, you know, the last almost 50 years now. And, um, so we, I've done various projects and buildings. Um, we didn't do the Northside Elementary. That was a, a different architect, but, um, all the other existing schools, um, we worked on, um, the Copeland Park Shelter, the Shelby Park Shelter. Um, we, we're, we've been the campus architect at Western for a number of years. And when they had the $90 million referendum, we were the design architects. So the integrated tech building, the greenhouse, um, Coleman, the whole Coleman remodel, the parking structure, the business that remodeled, the courtyard and the conference center is all projects that I worked on. Um, the La Crescent schools, the current new elementary and the remodeling at high school, middle school, uh, the lacrosse charter school, uh, the Logan track, um, the Alaska maintenance center. We did a, uh, department of military affairs, uh, field maintenance facility up in Wausau where they bring in military equipment from, you know, Jeeps up to tanks and, um, so yeah, and I've done some pools. We've done athletic facilities. Uh, we did a, a nice football track stadium facility down in Glenwood, uh, Iowa, and um, a new facility down in, in uh, Independence, so Independence, Iowa. So yeah, a lot of a lot of different things. Yeah, so you said the, the charter school. So are you referring to like the, the new Polytech building downtown? Yes. Oh, wow. So that's where I go to school. Fantastic yeah. work there. Uh, I mean, beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, so so pretty cool connection there. Um, I've also been to the integrated tech building. I did a tour there with actually uh, Bob Marconi. So yeah. wonderful, wonderful plants. That's, a, that's uh, a cool building, isn't it? Yeah, very, I mean, excellent everything. I was looking yeah. at like their 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 practices within lowering like their carbon footprint. Um, mm -hmm. 
and so that's because I was doing a school project. Um, and so, but very, very cool stuff. So all over, it's a beautiful building. Uh, so from here, uh, I want to talk about your retirement. So uh, you just recently retired a few months back. Uh, so, I mean, first, how have you been enjoying retirement? What have you been up to? Well, um, the first thing that, that I did is um, our peak and I, uh, it was a culmination of years of talk of doing a hog hunt. And initially it was, you know, going someplace that had an enclosure and, you know, kind of a, a hunting preserve. And we got looking around and, and we saw these helicopter hog hunts. And so in middle of April, um, two weeks after I retired, we went down to Oklahoma and we shot some feral hogs from helicopter. And that was a pile of fun. Um, Sorry, you go, you go. <laughs> well, that's fine. Um, yeah, so we learned we learned a lot um, looking into that. And I knew feral hogs were a problem in a lot of states. There's a there's a million feral hogs in Oklahoma. There's probably close to twice that in Texas. Louisiana has seven hundred thousand. So it's a it's a real problem for farmers and landowners, and they're very destructive. And so um, this is one way to uh, try to try to control them. But they they say you have to eliminate seventy five percent of the population just to maintain the population. So it's pretty difficult to reduce it. <clears throat> but we did our part. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> So what, what are future plans now for what you want to look at for retirement? Well, um, I'm, I've got some projects, a couple things to do for people in the ward. And um, my garden takes, you know, some time. I'm pretty much there getting it caught up. Um, of course, fishing when I can. Um, I'll be running a weed cutter for our son, Chad, on the lake this summer. Um, he's asked me if I could do that. And um, get up to our cabin when we can. And uh, Carol retires in, in August. So we'll have time together. And, yeah, there's always something to do. Yeah. Uh, so that's all my questions I have today. Uh, thank you so much for being willing to meet up and recording. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Enjoy everyone. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. So thank you to everyone at home also uh, for tuning into this week's episode. Uh, and I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.